Hi, everyone. Eric here. Africa Week 2020 in Beijing is here, and to help celebrate this amazing annual get-together, we've teamed up with the events organizers at Kente & Silk to offer a special promotion rate for subscriptions to the China Africa Project that includes our daily email newsletter. Go to ChinaAfricaProject.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code KENTESILK, K-E-N-T-E-S-I-L-K at checkout, and you'll get a year subscription for just $49. That's $100 off the normal rate, and it's only available through the end of July. We're doing this because Africa Week provides an incredible platform for cross-cultural dialogue, and that's really our mission as well. So once again, go to ChinaAfricaProject.com slash subscribe. Enter the promo code Kente Silk. That's K E N T E S I L K, and you'll get a subscription for just forty nine dollars. The China and Africa podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Africa China Reporting Project at Vitz University in Johannesburg. The ACRP promotes balanced, considered reporting on Africa China relations through innovative training programs held throughout the year. More information at AfricaChinaReporting.co.za. Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast, a proud member of the Seneca Network from SubChina. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden, the senior China-Africa researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. Kobus, I left China last August, and, and I have to say I left reluctantly. I I've spent almost 10 years living in China, maybe 11 now. I'm starting to date myself. First time I went to China was back in 1989. Uh, but this last stint was about two years, and I was living in Shanghai. And I, as I look back on the two years that I was there, there are a couple moments that stand out. And one of them was going up to Beijing twice and then also participating in Shanghai once in these Africa Week events. And it was incredibly special for me. First of all, it's one of these, these opportunities where you get young people, and they're mostly young professionals, uh, but there was a, a wide range of people from Africa, from China, and then a smattering of international folks who come together in this really kind of, I hate using the word safe space, but it was just a, a space where people could interact. There was no pressure. There was no uh, tension in the space. People could ask questions. They could share business cards, share stories, and it was just this really great positive vibe. And I realized, looking back on it, how few spaces there are to do that. Because when we think about Chinese in Africa, we've spoken with a lot of people who talk about the isolation that Chinese migrants have in Africa, either state-owned enterprises and they work in dorms, either there's cultural isolation and whatnot. And really, we heard also in some of our discussion with African students who are in China that they're oftentimes quite segregated from the the, the rest of the student population in foreign dorms, in English language classes. And so it's really the opportunities to have those kind of spaces aren't there. And I think, Kobus, it got me to reflect on the fact that one of the things that we need more of are these kind of informal interactions. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's really crucial to to give a chance for people to interact on a personal level. And it's a kind of an irony of China-Africa relations that almost everything is looked at from a top-down level, including, you know, what we, what they frequently call people-to-people -people exchange. You know, it's a kind of a diplomatic box that's ticked together with, with skills transfer or, you know, kind of inf infrastructure transfer or whatever. And you, even, even in that space, you never get to actually meet people face-to-face 
actually have a conversation with them. So it's, it's a very rare opportunity. So what I talked about earlier about these China-Africa stories, that's typically part of this Africa Week festivities that goes on in China. And this year, it's coming up. It's on July 20th to the 25th. And obviously, because of COVID-19, it's going to be very, very different. And what's interesting about it is that typically this is a local uh, event. This is where people in Beijing, in Shanghai, come together at a WeWork or at a co-working space and then afterwards go out for dinner or drinks. And then there's events, at there's movies and things like that. So it's hyper-local to uh, Beijing and Shanghai. But this year, because of COVID-19, one of the... I hate to say it, but one of the, the upsides of it all is that they're moving some of the events online so everybody around the world can actually participate. And we've got the founders and the organizers of Africa Week joining us today, uh, really for the first time, I think, on the show, Miata Momo, who is the co-founder of Kente and Silk. For those of you in Beijing in the African community, you know who Kente and Silk is. They organize some amazing events. They're a Beijing-based social enterprise that's focused on improving the Africa-China relationship. Uh, they do consulting, they do events, and they do these uh, deep dive trips where they bring Chinese stakeholders to Africa. Uh, Miata is an old friend of the show, an old friend of ours, and first time on the program, and we're really honored to have you. Good evening to you, Miata. Good evening. Um, it's such a pleasure to be here, um, Eric and Cobus. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Oh, it's wonderful. And we're very excited to hear more about what you and, and Kente and Silk are doing. And also just because we we adore what Kente and Silk does, uh, we can't go on without mentioning Zaira Batier, who is an old friend of the show as well. We've had her on the program a couple of times in the past. And Zara too, is uh, is the heart and soul of Kente and Silk. So we want just a quick shout out there to, to Zara. Also on the show is an old friend of the China Africa podcast. Stephanie Zhu is a Nairobi-based technology executive and founder of the China Africa Tech Initiative. And she's been involved in Africa Week from the very beginning uh, joining us from Nairobi, once again, welcome back to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be back. Oh, it's great to, start to speak with both of you. Okay, so Stephanie, Miata, I'm going to walk through a few of the events that are coming up just to give everybody a flavor of what Africa Week is going to be like. Uh, I will put a disclaimer out there that a number of people who are going to listen to this program are going to listen to it after the show and the event has taken place when it concludes on July 25th. So we're going to make our discussion today not just about the actual event, but some of the themes that are being discussed and so, and the motivations behind it. So on uh, online, the first event starts on Monday, July 20th, and there's going to be a career and employment boot camp. Uh, this will be Zoom-based, so this is in specifically designed for people who want to gain experience in the Africa-China space professionally. Uh, so that will be on who is going to be moderating that. This is not the bang that we usually have. Usually our launches are very um, vibrant, obviously, like you said, offline. There'll be drumming, there'll be performances. Um, but this year, as we all know, it's, it's a we're in a different state of play. But it's um, really exciting to be partnering with Duapa Africa, who are also a very um, active organization within this space. And who is Duapa? Where are they based? Yeah, Duapa are based in um, Beijing and also Ghana, so very similar to us. And what they focus more on is um, career development, um, how to um, empower some of these young students, specifically focusing on their professional development, targeting mainly African students. 
um, but they also um, engage um, Chinese stakeholders as well. So I think this is the one of the beauties of our Africa Week. We want to partner and, and spotlight as many other people work in this space because the space is, you know, there's not that many of us and there's definitely a lot to be done. So we're really excited to be working with them. Um, we're hoping to have the Rwandan um, ambassador also help launch this because it's, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a moment where we have so many students right now on lockdown, haven't been able to leave campus for, you know, almost seven months. So this is really almost like a, a tribute to them to get them to make sure that, you know, we haven't forgotten about them with Africa Week, get them online, get them engaged and, um, yeah, talking about all the different um, tools and resources that they can contribute um, to the uh, the work marketplace. A few very quick questions here. Number one, if you are not African and you are not based in China, will you find this Zoom session interesting? Yes, you will. Um, uh, what we're doing is also um, working with uh, you know, different, uh, uh, I'd say, personalities and people that are, have done a lot in terms of their own career development. So, an example, we have um, Bassant, who is actually based in Germany at the moment. So, that's another great advantage with us doing it online. We've been able to reach out to her. She's um, Egyptian, but also um, American as well. And so she's going to give some great career coaching and advice. And it's and we've also got Musa, who is also the CEO of the WAPA, giving people some advice about um, his experience at the African Union for those that may be wanting to move their careers into that space. So definitely not just for, for Africans. In fact, we want people that are interested in, in this Africa-China space to get involved. Um, and in my experience, that is definitely not just Africans or Chinese people. So we're really excited for this boot camp to um, take place, take shape online. So that's going to take place from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock on Monday. But given the fact that that's China time, and what if you're in another country and you can't make it, will these Zoom sessions be available uh, afterwards for people to watch online? Yes, certainly. We want to um, make these uh, make it yeah on demand as well. So if you can't make the live broadcast, um, we're promising that there'll be lots of great takeaways for you to come back and um, relook again. I'll definitely be doing that. Okay, let's move on now to Tuesday's event, and this is where we bring in Stephanie. Uh, this is the China Africa Stories event, and these are the events that I went to. I went to the first two in Beijing, and then one in uh, Shanghai, and. Again, they are absolutely fantastic, and I'm very, very excited now that they're online on Zoom because uh, everybody can participate. This is how to avoid unsustainable development in Africa-China projects. The timing of this really couldn't be better because there's so much discussion about sustainability. We've been talking about this issue on the podcast quite a bit. Stephanie, tell us a little bit about what some of the themes you're going to talk about in this uh, in this session. Yeah, I mean, before I go into that, I just want to give a huge shout out to Miata um, as the impetus and the energy around this. Um, as we, we said earlier, it's a difficult time. COVID has kept a lot of other organizations from actually doing their events and there has been a lot of difficulty around the planning um, and the logistics of do we do this online? Do we do this in real life? Um, and Miata has navigated all of this so, so gracefully. And I'm so excited that this is coming together because as she mentioned, you know, this 
it's more important than ever that we be doing this now. Um, and and as you said, these these conversations around sustainability, around debt, um, and around the changing face of the China Africa relationship is so incredibly important to bring to young people and to have their contributions. Um, so so I think some of the main themes. That we're going to be talking about is certainly、um, this debt issue, but even before that, right? This term sustainability or like sustainable or unsustainable gets thrown around so much, and nobody really knows what it means, right? And I'm really curious for for our panel that includes, you know,、um, Hassan, who's the president of the African Students.、Um, At Peking,、um, Kofi from、uh, YPARD,、uh, Daniel, who's from the University of Lagos. You know, a lot of just young people who are are bringing forward their diversity in different industries, right? Not just from an academic standpoint, but also from a、um, action-oriented standpoint. What does sustainability mean, right? How do you define that?、Um, you know, what kind of timelines are you thinking about? Is it within a couple of Um, years is it within a couple of decades, right? With, with young people, you know, up and coming and playing a more pivotal role in all of these developments,、uh, it also matters in how they're creating the framework with、um, with sustainability or or not in a lot of these projects. So so that's going to be、um, a deep part that we're going to be able to to dive into,、um, and then just talking about, you know, I think a lot of. Young people in the China Africa space in general feel like a lot of these important decisions are being made by governments or older people,、um, with oftentimes different perspectives with how to be progressive and how to move these relationships forward. Right. So, well, I'm I'm curious to to kind of hear more about all of their different. Um, experiences and their sense of agency in tangibly working to make these partnerships more sustainable. You know, how can young people feel empowered to step up? You know, take the reins,、um, influence decisions. I think that will be also、um, an, an important part of of the conversation. And then、um, we will also kind of, as a third category, go go deeper into、um, the the debt, into whether or not、uh, in, in specific industries, you know, because Hassan worked as、um, a construction engineer, kind of firsthand、um, seeing on the ground in Uganda how a lot of these relationships,、um, you know, not from a policy or a you know big contract.、Um, Position, but on the ground, you know, are there things that we can do、um, that can be made more sustainable? So I don't, I don't just want to talk about, you know, debt as a as an amoebus kind of function of what the U,、uh, what the Chinese government is doing, but more about how it actually manifests on the ground and what we can be doing to make be making a lot of these projects more sustainable. No, it's it's really great that you that you're discussing this.、Um, wh- who are some of the the kind of the 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 experts or stakeholders that you're kind of pulling into to provide some of the inside information around these discussions? Um, so we we have a really diverse panel that I'm excited about. So as I mentioned, so Hassan is the president of the African Students、um, at Peking University、um, and the editor of the PKU Africa Think Tank as well.、Um, and he's you know really thinking about recommendations to harnessing sustainability、uh, of debt funded infrastructure projects in Africa.、Um, we have Co-、uh, Kofi, who is the Africa coordinator、um, for. Uh, YPARD, which is the Forum for Agricultural Research,、um, and so thinking about 
you know, China has made so many strides recent in, in recent years around agricultural sustainability, um, and this is going to be a huge topic for the continent. How you know China can bring a lot of that expertise and experience in. Um, we have Daniel Waters, who's a fellow at the University of Lagos, and he is currently very actively researching the impact of Chinese involvement in sub-Saharan universities、um, and research institutions. So, obviously, we know that education is a is playing a pivotal part on the development of the of the continent, and so how China has been influencing、um, those different、um, institutions as well.、Uh, and then、uh, Janelle is、uh, the. The sales lead at Alaska Life Technologies, and so she's going to be bringing in、um, some more from the the tech side of things. And once again, this is another huge kind of industry where we're really talking about sustainability, not just about selling technologies, but peer to peer technology transfer, training,、um, also in the education and, and upskilling. Uh, space and so we really have this like wide panel from from ag- agriculture to tech to academics、um, where we can holistically talk about sustainability and in, in development. And one of the other features, both of the panels that you're talking about now, but from my recollection of previous China Africa weeks and Africa weeks and China Africa stories, is how many women-led discussions there were, and that is something that's quite rare in the whole webinar space. And I love the fact that so many of these are going to be led by women and organized by women, and you get a very different voice, particularly because they come from young women and young people. I, I think that's I think that's huge,、um, and you know, one of just kind of anecdotally,、um, I'm in a lot of China Africa WhatsApp groups, WeChat groups, LinkedIn groups, whatever it might be, and I think one of the most active ones I'm in is one that、um, is is China Africa Women, and it's specifically I think it was actually、um, founded by Hannah Ryder, who's also been on the show multiple times,、um, and and it really is just the type of engagement that you are able to bring in because so many of these topics are so related to to women's livelihoods. And therefore, like you know, the continent's livelihoods,、um, and I think it's it's important to make sure that we we focus on not just age diversity, but also gender diversity within all these conversations. Miata, do you want to comment on terms of the diversity, age, gender, all of that in terms of how you're organizing the events? Kentian Silk is run by two women, which is which is great, and actually not by not intentionally, but the majority of our team are women, and what we want to do is definitely.、Um, We pride ourselves on the platform that we have and the opportunities that we have to really, you know, our whole strapline is changing the status quo of Africa-China relations. So that also includes, as you mentioned at the beginning, Eric. You know, a lot of these conversations are not just government officials, but they're also majority, you know, run by men. So we just find if we're in a position where we can include new, you know, nuanced voices into this discussion, and it's really, really important that we.、Um, Yeah, champion that, and、um, there are so many talented. I mean,、um, Stephanie just mentioned mentioned Hannah Ryden. She was one of the first、um, people I met when I came to Beijing almost four years ago, and has had such an impact on Kentian Silk and even my career here. So, I think Beijing is a great place where you do get to meet meet such unique and diverse voice voices, and we definitely want to make sure that we. Enable, yeah, more women who are brilliant and experts in this field to also have a, a say. And I actually do a lot of work around that for an, another organisation called Lady Two Tech as well. So it's all happening, and、um, yeah, we we love the fact that we can use our platform to push forward more of these voices. 
Support for this podcast comes from the Africa Channel Reporting Project at Wits University School of Journalism in Johannesburg. The ACRP provides reporting grants, workshops, and other professional development opportunities for both African and Chinese journalists. Follow the ACRP on Twitter at WitsChinaAfrica or visit africachinareporting.co.za for information about grants and upcoming seminars. Continuing on with the agenda, on Wednesday, again, this is unfortunately only for people who are in Beijing. There's going to be a screening of, it's called Joseph the Film. Is that correct, Miata? Yeah, that's correct. So we've actually already, so Black Liberty China again, this has been an opportunity to partner with them. They have been spearheading um, a lot of, um, when when things were happening in Guangzhou, they were one of the, well, the first people getting the word out there, um, well, what was happening and... Um, they 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 are trying to document Black lives in in China. So um, they have been a fantastic partner, always supporting the work we do. And we did a webinar back in May where we were looking at how you can use media to actually um, pro- provide African unity as well as in, in, encourage more African agency and push African culture as well in in a way that is entertaining, in a way that um, you know, is is going to allow more people to be exposed um, to um, various different cultures. So this is really interesting because it's actually a Barbados-based um, film, and it's about uh, a guy who goes in search of his African identity. Um, a, a guy from Barbados who goes to Ghana and and searches for his African identity. So we're really excited to actually showcase the film. We'll show the film and have a discussion at the end. For us, it's really important to not just you know, show these images or show these stories, but also have the dialogue, which you said at the beginning is often missing. So we're really excited about, um, again, opening um, the floor and having such discussions on Wednesday. So that's going to take place at the Camaro Stylo Theater in Dongcheng District. Again, that's only for those of you who are in Beijing. Uh, Miata mentioned Black Liberty, and I think it's really important that we give a huge shout out to what they're doing. Black Liberty, that's, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes for that. Uh, they're on Twitter, and they're also, they also have a website. Uh, it's an absolutely indispensable resource if you want to understand black culture, African culture in China and all the different things that are going on. And what's great about them is that they strip out so much of the partisan passion about the China-Africa relationship and really focus on great storytelling. Uh, I, I've never met them. I just follow them very closely on social media and rely on their storytelling. Uh, and I just I can just 100% vouch for the quality of work that they do. So I just want to give a shout out to, to the team at Black Liberty uh, on that. Thursday, July 23rd, again, another in-person event, but one that I think is probably, to me, one of the most interesting ones, Don't Touch My Hair. Uh, a deeper look at the fascination and the beauty of African hair and its influence on Chinese millennials through music, hair stories, hair care, and much more. Uh, it's going to be a drinks and networking session as well. On uh, So that will be over at uh, Gongti Beilu. Tell us a little bit about Don't Touch My Hair, and then let's get into a little conversation about hair in China, because there's a lot there that we can talk about. Indeed. So I, So this is yeah, this has been coming for a long time just because um, we've just seen the influence, one, of how um, African culture has been been seen more in the music industry here. So when I say influence, I'm thinking of like even hip hop genres of, of music and you had like um, Rap China a few years ago, that which was a big thing. 
But even me just walking across Beijing, I can see people adapting styles and hairstyles and also a lot of the, um, you know, African influence, like um, dress as well, but not necessarily knowing where the roots come from. So one element of this event was to be able to give an introduction into the history of, of African hair and to actually go a bit deeper so people can start to connect the dots and say, oh, actually, this doesn't just date back to what I may have seen on a popular show, but has a lot of um, um, deep and interesting roots. And then the other thing, like the play on the actual title, Don't Touch My Hair, I mean, a lot of um, my friends and even myself have had instances where you have Chinese people um, come and want to touch your hair because it's fascinating and it's and it's interesting and it's something that they've not necessarily witnessed before. And I must admit, not everyone is that, you know, welcoming of such things. But for me, I think, again, this is an opportunity to rather than complain about um, instances where people may want to touch your hair, why not actually have a whole event around this and, and, and you know, get those awkward questions answered and just have a, di a dialogue and, um, you know, have, have, have a chance to actually... Uh, yeah, address some of these things as well as have other people within the community share their own, I say, hair stories and um, as well along the way. So I'm really, really excited about this. It's, it's, it's going to be a mix of people sharing, but also um, a lot of education as well. Or it's, it's a useful way of, of, of kind of sensitizing people, you know, and, and to, to what might be you know, it might come from a place of kind of innocent curiosity, but but for the person who's who's experiencing it, you know, it it, it might be extremely intrusive. You know, so so I think it's very useful to, as a kind of a gentle way of of telling people to not, you know, to to maybe not immediately just go in and touch people's hair. I think would be it seems very useful to me. Um, it also I, I, it's interesting for me that both of the films essentially look at black identity in a transnational space, you know, kind of where, where you know, on touching both the lived identity of people in their own bodies, but then also the way that that's kind of impacted by a figure like Solange, for example, in the case of the case of Don't Touch My Hair. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that choice, you know, of, of locating black identity in this kind of transnationalism. Yeah, I think, um, especially like today with the, the way um, the world is, I say the, this um, COVID-19 world, I think it's just an opportunity to, yeah, realize um, all the different influences that are happening um, on African culture and, and the, well, sorry, the influence that African culture has on so many different um, uh, cult other cultures. So, for, for example, you mentioned even like Solange. I know a big part of the whole, that whole album that she wrote was influenced by like her trying to get more in touch with like her, her Afrocentric identity and even with this film Joseph it was you know you still have you know a lot of the uniting that we're trying to do is within the Africa China space but there is still a need to unite with um, the Afro-Caribbean community as well so we just thought that this was a chance where we have you know um, I don't know a, a very sombering time where people are trying to reflect more and, and, and I guess go a lot deeper with some of um their own identity and I just think that this was a great opportunity to I guess dive deeper and um, not just to talk about how we can develop um, better bridges or better connections within the Africa China space but also um, it's an opportunity um, at a time when people really do 
crave community to have these uh, more uh, deeper discussions about, um, you know, what does what does that mean in um, what does African identity mean on, on a more general scale? It's interesting to think about that specifically this year, given what happened in Guangzhou and these discussions about race and identity and immigration, uh, all of that, and the Black Lives Matter movement as well brings into that. Do you think that these discussions that you're going to be bringing up, and, and Stephanie, I'd like to get your take on this as well, are going to touch on some of the, the sensitivities? And I remember from previous China-Africa stories, it wasn't all happy, happy talk. There were some awkward, difficult, emotional, sensitive conversations that take place as well, in particular because uh, we're in very polarized times right now, and Chinese people will come to the discussion with one set of ideas. Africans, depending on where they're from, will come with another set. So I found that Francophone Africans and Arabophone Africans and Lusophone all came with different kind of perspectives. Age and gender also played into it. How are you going to address some of these sensitive issues? And again, we'll first go to Miata to kind of talk about the bigger issues, but then as a moderator, Stephanie, in terms of facilitating those discussions, but making sure they also don't get out of hand to the point where they become uncomfortable for people. Yeah, I think I think it's important that we create a space where people are free to, um, you know, uh, voice um, some of the concerns they have. I mean, the, the great thing about China-Africa stories in itself, this is where it came, this is where it was born. This is how Africa Week started. It was because of um, the issues we saw with um, blackface on, 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 on a Chinese media broadcast. It was the issues we saw of how Africans were being portrayed in the, in the Chinese media. And we've always seen these platforms as a form of, of solution. So we, we we encourage such conversations, but what we don't want it to be is just a matter of complaining, oh, this is the state, this is the issue. How can we, um, again, empower more young people within this space to, you know, change that? So um, point out where, and I know some things are not just a matter of conversation, it will take time. And a lot of what we are doing, there there is a bit of soft power um, attached to it, but really not to just complain about, you know, this was... Um, you know, some of the issues that happened um, where there was discrimination or where there is still, you know, people are still, you know, really hurting from that period. For us, it's really important to to just, you know, give people that freedom to talk, but also for, for the, for the not to just um, lay at the door of just complaining or, or frustration and seeing how we can actually work together and how we can support and, uh, yeah, trying to to actually uncover answers, solutions. I mean, if some of these things didn't happen in this space, I don't think Kentian Silk would exist. I don't think Africa Week would exist. It all spurred out from some of the real problems and issues that are still occurring. And I think this year especially has been probably one of the lowest <laughs> points in the Africa-China relationship. And um, Africa Week itself was supposed to happen in May, and then it got delayed and it got delayed again. But we've all been as a team really determined and it's been fantastic to have people like um, Stephanie really also support what we're trying to do because we realise we, we need these spaces where people can vent, where they can talk and more importantly, where they can provide solutions and educate some of the ignorances or the misconceptions that are out there. Stephanie, talk to us a little bit about how you're going to moderate some of these discussions. Uh, you've been having these discussions in Nairobi with people for months. I remember talking to you earlier back in April 
when all of this was happening in Guangzhou. These are difficult issues, and this is the space that is great for people to talk about it. But how are you going to, as a moderator, address some of those issues? Yeah, um, I, I definitely think, obviously, all of these are very difficult conversations. Um, and I like to think about these situations when, you know, when there is seismic activity, when you think about the way that the Earth's crust is made new again, right? It's because of earthquakes and volcanoes and things colliding together. And, you know, while it's, it is quite a turbulent time within the Africa China space, I think that this also means there's so much opportunity for new earth to be made, right? New ground to be covered. Um, and, and for me, as my role as a moderator, um, it, it is about meeting people where they stand, right? Coming, allowing people to come forward, being heard, and the acknowledgement of what is happening is, is so important. It's really the first step to, to getting to a solution, is making sure that everyone in the room, you know, not necessarily agrees, but sees that there is a, a problem in some way, right? And then meeting people where they stand, you know, is a principle that really means meeting difference with curiosity rather than judgment. Um, coming forward and saying, I realize that your body of experiences is so different from mine, um, and therefore that's why I see these things differently, um, and and coming together to like reconcile all of those things. So I, I do hope that these sensitive topics, I, not just hope, but I, I will, you know, purposely kind of push forward some of these sensitive topics and I do hope that people will speak about them candidly which you know I think there's a lot of strong opinioned people in this space which which makes it actually quite easier because the worst thing that you can do is kind of repress all of these um, issues on hand but then you know these panels and Africa Week in general is a platform for people to be heard um, and and we hope you know at the end of it everyone will kind of take these things and it'll be one step closer to understanding because just even speaking to my friends, I know that there is still a lot of antagonism and uncertainty and insecurity that is still um, both in Africa um, and in China right now. Um, and the more that you're able to bring those things to surface, um, the more light there is and, and the less dark or shameful um, all of these topics are going to be. And, and it, it matters, right, for young people, because otherwise, you know, these young people are going to be the future politicians and business leaders. Um, and if they still kind of carry that institutional and intergenerational trauma from the, the policies and actions of, you know, the generation of these, of the people in the Africa-China space before, then they will never be a to move forward and break ground um, in their own way. And that's why I think it's important to, to bring all these things to, serve, to light right now. Like I completely agree. I think it's 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 really really useful to do it, um, and I think it's particularly useful at this moment. Um, be, you know, again, you know, as 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 Eric pointed out, it's the the COVID nineteen pandemic um, is forcing so much of this discussion what used to be in, within rooms on online, you know. So on the one hand, that is difficult because you know, kind of Zoom isn't always the the kind of funnest place to be on, but at the same time, it it also allows it to, the the conversation to be open to so many so many more stakeholders around the world. Um, so what like for for you guys like who um, how do you foresee um, having a kind of a wider range 
range of of participants also people in the US and people in Africa who wouldn't usually be able to to join you in Beijing um like how, how do you foresee that shifting the conversation and personally I'm really excited um this is definitely the first time we've had I mean we we usually are quite fortunate because it is in Beijing we do access people sometimes um lastly we had um people that were on, from Rwanda that came but this is the first time where we we really have an opportunity to actually engage more african youth outside of china so for me i'm just more really excited and um uh i think it will definitely add a new layer to the different conversations because that their perspective would be based on maybe the africa china relationship that they understand in their own local um community so i i i'm really um anticipating and and excited to hear what that is from their you know from their own very um, personalized perspective so more more excited than anything and i think it will definitely add a new a new shape and layer to what we've done for the last this is our fourth ed- well third edition of africa week sorry so i'm excited to have more um yeah more people engage especially now more than ever people are so much more interested <laughs> with what is happening in this in this space because of some of the recent issues so i'm i'm really just looking forward to sort of see how that drives a, a different direction and some of the conversations we've been used to well let's close the week out on friday july 24th that will be by the fireside and this to me oh it makes me so homesick for Beijing and sentimental. Uh, you're going to take over Beijing's hutongs. And for those of you not familiar with what a hutong is, hutong is the kind of courtyard residences that used to be everywhere in old Beijing. Uh, when I first started going to, Be- to China and Beijing in the 1980s, that's all there were. Today now, there are barely any hutongs left. They're, they're only a small area. Are you going to do this uh, in, in Hohai, in, in Beijing, in the Hohai district? So this is actually going to be near Lama Temple. Uh, okay. Yeah. So we're really excited. And so this year's theme, actually, there is a theme this year, and it's Sankofa, which in Ghanaian tree means um, to go back and get. So it's exciting. So this is actually one of the events that we had in our very first um, Beijing Africa Week, which was at a venue called the Bookworm, which is no longer with us. May so, rest in peace. We're yes. going to pour a drink I, over I'm for, so the, uh, for the Bookworm. The Bookworm. <laughs> Oh, for, so okay. Sad. Just very, very quickly, the bookworm <laughs> was the you know was a bookstore in Beijing in the Chaoyang district uh, in San Luitun, where it was just it it was a spiritual temple for a lot of us. It just had great books, readings, a cafe, and it was a place central to the, the both the Chinese and the international community. And there is nobody that says the word bookworm in Beijing that doesn't feel a sense of loss, as if somebody died. So yes, yes. but you're going to be doing this. <laughs> And, and from the description on your, your, your fireside in the hutongs, you're going to kind of integrate African poetry and storytelling into this, uh, in, into this excursion, right? Yes, that's right. And again, so part Africa Week, we say celebrate Africa and China, which is such a broad <laughs> task. But one of the things that many African cultures do share is this idea of um, storytelling and oral traditions. And um, in the first... Uh, um, edit or version of this we had people doing some Anansi stories from Ghana we had some people reciting from books and just it's going to be a very uh, drama arts um, 
a mix uh, and it's and it's it's really really um something again that it's just it's trying to expose chinese friends and expat friends to different sides of um african culture and i think this is a it's a great way last the first time we did it at the bookworm we had like call and response singing we had everyone sort of break out into songs so i'm really excited although sad to not be doing it in the book one but excited to again bring this sense of such needed community after such a hard and tough year and um, we want people to come along that you know they may never have thought they would want to go to a, an African storytelling spoken word night but just want to come and just um, yeah be surprised and, and and join in where they can. And the hutongs are absolutely magical in the evening so it's wonderful to do it. You're, are you concerned and again for those of us who are not living in China it's hard for us to figure out what's going on that can you actually walk about and do things? I mean is Beijing open now? It's Opening more um, is still, um, I mean, it's still, there's still restrictions and we're still wearing masks and, you know, and for us, this is one of the reasons why we have delayed because for us, safety is number one <laughs> for people. But yeah, it's definitely becoming more, more open and it's a great thing. Um, we have so many event, um, event partners that are also really supporting this initiative and we're just working together to make sure um yeah, it's safe. Uh, and so this year we may not have, you know, the, the sold out capacity as we had before, but it's just about um, making sure everyone is safe and comfortable. And we're definitely going to, yeah, we're looking forward to, um, yeah, getting back out there because events is a big part of what we do. And well, because of the, the climate that we're in, we've not been able to do as many events. So this is actually also a first time in a long time for us to have um, some physical events. So we're really looking forward to that. Well, let's wrap things up. And I know this is one that would, is near and dear to Stephanie's heart, given her background and obsession, passion for tech. Uh, your African startup pitch competition. And I remember this from uh, Africa Week versions one and two, where and the, there was so much excitement about this. So this is the grand finale of the Beijing Africa Week. All the profits made from Beijing African Week will be rewarded to a promising Africa-China startup who will also win business registration at one of Beijing's oldest incubators. You'll have access, they'll have access to mentors and other resources to, to develop their business in China. And I, I hope you're going to videotape this or put it online somehow because I think it would be amazing for those of us outside of China to hear some of the ideas and the pitches uh, which one of you is going to to lead this? I presume it's going to be local in Beijing, but Stephanie, will you be involved in it as well? Unfortunately not. Yeah. Miata, do you want to take this? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I want to commend, I mean, Stephanie has been such an inspiration with all the great work that she does in the tech space um, from, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's great to just, yeah, know Stephanie and constantly be inspired. And this year specifically because of what has been happening. Um, usually we just open our African startup pitch conference to just like anyone that can join, join. But this year we were like, no, we want to focus on social innovation. We want to see what Meditech or Agritech or, you know, things that people are doing that's really preparing yeah, us for the the life we're living now and also for the future. So we're really excited. This is going to be at Innerway, which is a whole street dedicated to um, tech startups. And we've partnered with some of the biggest um, Chinese, uh, you know, startup communities as well to really champion this because one part, well, big part of Africa Week is not just, okay, we're celebrating African culture, but we're also celebrating, you know, Africa-China entrepreneurship and the fact that there is this 
um, side that people still don't um, understand or realize is happening in places like Rwanda, where you have, you know, so much going on with the Made in Africa initiative. So, yeah, this is we're really excited and we want to not just say we support African entrepreneurship, but this is why we actually use profits from Africa Week to say we we we, we love you guys and we want to, you know, give you guys um, something that goes beyond lip service as well. So we're really, really excited about this. Okay, let's now close our discussion. We have spent the past 45 minutes selling this thing. I am hoping that by the time that people get to this point of the show, they're just like, where do I go? I want to participate. So, Miata, talk to us about two different things. If, pe- if people are listening to this before July 25th and they are either in Beijing or want to participate online, where do they go to do that? So please come to our website, www.kenteandsilk.com and uh, forward slash Africa Week. You'll be able to find the listings of everything we've talked about today and links to buy tickets. So whether that's an online event or a physical event, you have all the information there. And then um, our plan is again to have the the post events and uh yeah, the post-event resources available on our website as well. So yeah, www.kentiensilk.com. Okay, and how much approximately does it cost or does it vary so people know what they're signing up for? It varies. So things like the film event is free. And this year, again, we did something very special where there's a donation uh, ticket price, which I guess is the equivalent. So 20 RMB, is that like a dollar, two dollars? Um, so we've tried to do like the, the bare minimum so that because this year has been tough for a lot of people, if, you know, um, our, pri- our top uh, price range is like $10 or 100 RMB. Um, but if you can't afford that, then we've got a lower price as well. And do the Zoom events cost anything? Will there be a fee for that? Yeah, so what we're going to do, we have a fee for those on the Zoom and then we're going to do it a live. So there'll be Facebook Live and um we're going to try and do YouTube as well. And then we'll also make the on-demand available. But again, it's a bare minimum, I think, like 20, 20 to 30 RMB. Well, we are going to share all of the links from the event on our on our page at ChinaAfricaProject.com. I'll also share the videos as they become available on the Twitter feeds, Facebook feeds, LinkedIn feeds that we have for China Africa Project. So you can follow them there. What If you want to get it directly from Kente Silk, go to Kente Spell that for us, K-E-N-T-E and A-N-D, Silk, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, kenteandsilk.com. Uh, we want to thank you both and wish you the best of luck for an amazing week. Again, the timing of this couldn't be better, given we need to foster this kind of conversation and discussion. And we're just so grateful that both of you took time from Beijing and Nairobi to join us today. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you guys and my to have my very first... <laughs> opportunity to share and what what a way to share you know something that is you know I'm so grateful that Zara shared her vision and and her passion and because of that you know you know we're on our third edition of Africa Week so we hope as many people can join and we know that this is just the start we need to have more yeah conversations and more interactions like this so I'm really excited and very grateful for Stephanie's contribution to this as well so thank you. Eric, you must promise me that you'll have Miata back on um, to talk about all the other amazing things that she does as well. 
that's not a hard sell. So it, it, it is really negligent of us that we, we it's taken this long to get Miata on. We've been, you know, great friends with her for a long time. So again, thank you so much for both of you. We look forward to later on having you both back to tell us how it all went. Take care. <laughs> thank you, Eric. Now you can see why when I said at the beginning of the show that when I look back at the two years that I spent in China on this last tour, that it was these, – these the China Africa Week and the, the Africa Week and the China Africa Stories events were among the highlights for me. And it is – I cannot overstate what a special event this is and how the vibe is amazing, the people are amazing – the, the topics. And again, it's not all easy talk. I mean, there were a lot of tough discussions that go on there, but it's done in such a, a warm space. And I got to be honest with you, since then, I don't see that. I mean, honestly, this is the kind of discussion and discourse that we're trying to foster on the podcast is to replicate what goes on in the Africa Week type of discussions. It's not easy, but it's something that is so badly needed. Yes, especially now, um, you know, because we we, we see so, so many attempts from from government officials to hijack the China Africa relationship and to you know to turn it to you know to political profit and, and and to take it away from the actual people involved. And and these kind of events are are so so needed um, now more than ever. So go to kenteandsilk.com and sign up. Also, to support and just an acknowledgement for that, we are running a special sale on our uh, for our newsletter. Uh, Kente Silk is the promo code. It's only going to be $49 a year for our subscription. So Kente, K-E-N-T-E-S-I-L-K. Use that promo code at checkout. We're offering a one-year subscription for $49 to our newsletter. Normally, it's $149. This is even cheaper than the uh, half off for students and faculty. So we're going to do this. We're just just for this podcast, just for the Kente Silk, Kente and Silk uh, Africa Week event. Uh, but we're really just so excited about what they're doing that we wanted to kind of participate as well. So go to ChinaAfricaProject.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code Kente Silk and you'll get uh, a year subscription for just $49. It's only valued for this promotion only. So that'll do it for this edition of the China in Africa podcast. Kobus uh, and I will be back again next week with another show. So for Kobus van Staden, I'm Eric Olander. Thank you so much for listening. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash China Africa Project to share your thoughts on today's show. The guys are also on Twitter, where you can find Kobus at Stadinsky or Eric at E. Olander. And be sure to sign up for the weekly China in Africa email newsletter by going to www.chinaafricaproject.com.